0: As all that is here to this great city of Baltimore, ladies and gentlemen, from Baltimore, Maryland, uh, let's go Oh, we are! If there's anybody that's a big star in Baltimore, it's you. And Baltimore, whether you like it or not, you better learn to living, because I'm the best of It is tonight as championship wrestling returns to Baltimore at the Baltimore Civic Center tonight. And I have picked Baltimore out to be the place where this war is going to come to an end because they got a lot of nice, fine hospitals there. You know it, I know it, and Baltimore is. It's the night of champions in Baltimore, Maryland in the Civic Center. Fans and welcome to another episode of the Russell Rama podcast. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everybody to check us out on Facebook, Facebook.com backslash Russell Rama. And to check out all of our podcasts, uh, you can go to anchor.fm backslash Russell Rama. Uh, you hear our take on Smoky Mountain Fan Week 1993. Uh, Today, we're going to be looking at an event I attended in September of 1993. And then, probably uh, in the next week or so, we'll be taking a look at another event I attended in October of 1993. Uh, But today, we're looking back at September 1993. Uh, This would be September the 18th, to be exact. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Eastern Championship Wrestling at the ECW Arena. It wasn't yet extreme. uh, And this was actually the first event that Paul Lee booked. Uh, Prior to this, Eddie Gilbert was the booker. uh, But he and Todd Gordon had a falling out. So this is when Paul Lee dangerously took the reins. Uh, I remember uh, the... I actually first got hyped on this show... While at Fan Week, uh, there were some guys down there from Philadelphia, and they told me the headhunters and Stan Hansen uh, would be at this next show in Philly. So I'm thinking there's no way I can miss this event. So August of 93, I'm in Tennessee. September of 93, I'm in Philadelphia. Uh, It was about a 1,000 people. In attendance, that may be a little bit over. I'm not sure. It was it wasn't quite packed like uh, like maybe two, three, four years down the line, but it was a it was a nice crowd. Um, and again, this would be the first event booked by Paulie Dangerously. And in the opening match was the debut of the Public Enemy. Uh, they defeated Ian Rotten and Jason Knight. Uh, Ian Rotten, of course, would. I believe he and Axel debuted together in October of 93. I'm not looking at results or anything right now, but I believe October of 93 is when him and Axel uh, first teamed up in Philly. And Jason Knight, of course, who just became Jason, the world's most sexiest man, uh, I didn't care for the gimmick. It was funny, it was entertaining, but I didn't really care for it. But again, the public enemy defeated. Ian Rotten and Jason Knight in the opening match when Public Enemy hit the drive by on Ian Rotten. Next uh, was the match for the Pennsylvania Heavyweight Championship as uh, Tony Stetson defended the title against Tommy Cairo. Uh, Tony Stetson, for those old school Philly fans, uh, was a part of TWA. He had a feud with D.C. Drake. Uh, I remember those. uh, Who was the promoter back then? Joel Goodhart was the promoter of TWA. We took some bus trips up there. Uh, Christ, TWA, I can remember that was, what, 30 years ago. Their their motto was, we wrestle, we brawl, we do it all. But anyway, Tony Stetson was part of TWA. And now here in uh, 93, he is defending the... Pennsylvania Championship as he defeated Tommy Cairo Uh, the next match was a mask versus mask match Super Destroyer 1 defeated Super Destroyer 2 that was uh, AJ Petruzzi and Doug Stahl were the Super Destroyers I met AJ a few times at indie shows he was a cool guy to talk to um, he loved to talk old-school wrestling with you. He was, of course, he did uh, enhancement work for WWF in the early 80s. Um, but Tony, uh, AJ Petrucci and Doug Stahl were the Super Destroyers. Uh, and again, Super Destroyer 1 defeated Super Destroyer 2. Uh, Super Destroyer 1 hit a senton for the win and then unmasked him after the match. The Dark Patriot then attacked Super Destroyer 1 with a chair. Dark Patriot, of course, was Doug Gilbert, who was Eddie Gilbert's brother, who, again, prior to the show, was the Booker. Uh, Super Destroyer 2 teamed up with the Patriot to hit a spike pile driver on Super Destroyer 1 until J.T. Smith made the save, leading to a scaffold match between Smith and the Patriot. Uh, the Patriot threw powder in uh, J.T. Smith's eyes and threw him from the scaffold Onto the mat for the win, J.T. Smith. If you if you didn't watch early ECW, and he's another TWA guy. If you didn't watch early ECW, this guy, not only doing this um, scaffold match, the the bump from the top was brutal. Mike Awesome nearly broke him in half, uh, and this may have been, I want to say January, February of '94. Maybe January, February of ninety five, I think in ninety-four. Um, or maybe December ninety-three. I know it was it was winter time. Um, but Mike Awesome hit a tope over the top rope. JT Smith was standing against the guardrail, his back to the guardrail. Mike Awesome hit this dive and nearly broke JT Smith in half um, over the guardrail. It was brutal looking. Uh, there was another match, I forget who J.T. Smith wrestled, but he had a lump on his head, right over his eye. It looked like an apple was coming out of his head. The the, the bump was so huge. Uh, the next match is really one of the matches I drove up to Philly to see. Terry Funk and Stan Hansen taking on Kevin Sullivan and Abdullah the Butcher in a bunkhouse match. Now think about that. '93, Stan Hansen was still in uh, All Japan. Um, Terry Funk was, you know, around ECW, really trying to help it grow. And of course, we had the Madman Kevin Sullivan and Abdullah the Butcher. Uh, Abdullah accidentally hit Sullivan um, as Funk moved out of the way, which allowed Funk to apply a spinning toehold on Kevin Sullivan. Until Eddie Gilbert attacked him to cause a disqualification. After the match, Dark Patriot came to the ring and fought with Hanson. The two brought backstage. Sullivan attacked Abdul the Butcher. A bunch of wrestlers came out, try to break it up. Hanson and Funk then came back and attacked poor Johnny Hotbody. Um, and I believe this match was actually supposed to be Funk and Hanson against um, Eddie Gilbert and Abdullah. But when they did the changeover, when Gordon gave the booking to Paul Lee, uh Eddie Gilbert basically said, fuck it, I'm not wrestling, but I'm still... I, I think he really did his own thing that night. It was weird. He was selling his, um, I believe he was selling his boots and maybe some ring attire during intermission. Um, but he was also doing these run-ins. Um but it was a good match. Terry Funk and Stan Hansen against Sullivan and Abdullah. Uh, you can't go wrong with that match. Uh, the next match they did, I believe this was the popcorn match. I believe the uh, Funk and Hansen against Sullivan and Abby. Uh, right after that was the intermission. Um, and after that would have been this intergender battle royal. Uh, sensational Sherry was on the show. Her and Angel uh, did like a little team which caused the eliminations of several people. Jay Sully, he was like – he was the announcer, interview guy. Uh, Donnie Allen and Hunter Q. Robbins, he was a manager. Um, all this was going on while Tigra sat on the top turnbuckle. Tigra, the month – or maybe it was in June. It was in June of 93. Uh, she actually had her top ripped off during a match at the ECW Arena. Um Sherry and Angel then fought, uh, ripped off her wig. Eddie Gilbert ran back out. Sherry chased him out of the ring. She jumped over the top rope, eliminating herself. Uh, Angel yelled at Gilbert, and Tigra tossed Angel over the top rope, allowing Tigra to win. Next, we saw Salvatore Palumbo against Sir Richard Michaels in a strap match. This, uh, I didn't care for this match. I, I remembered Sal Belumbo as a kid, uh, 82, 83, doing enhancement work with WWF. Uh, at this time, though, 11 years later, he was huge. He had really put on a lot of weight, grew a big beard, long hair, did not look like the guy that was on WWF in the early 80s. Uh, we then had Shane Douglas defending the heavyweight championship against the Sandman. Sandman wasn't yet the Sandman. I believe he was still doing the uh, Beach Boy um, gimmick with the wetsuit. He was. He didn't have the cane. The cane didn't come until uh, after his feud with Tommy Cairo. He wasn't smoking cigarettes. He wasn't drinking beer. Um So anyway, Shane Douglas defended the heavyweight total by defeating Sandman. Uh, The referee was knocked out by Shane, allowing his manager Paulie dangerously to attempt to hit Sandman with the phone. Sandman grabbed dangerously. Douglas got the phone and hit Sandman with it for a near fall. Sandman hit a low blow and a crossbody to Douglas, but Douglas reversed it and got the pin on Sandman to keep the title. And the main event was the... Other match I drove to Philadelphia to see. Uh, This was it was supposed to be a barbed wire baseball bat match between the Headhunters versus Miguelito Perez and Crash the Terminator. Now this was before Axe on Ian Rotten with the baseball bat. This was before Cactus Jack with the baseball uh, barbed wire baseball bat. This was some hardcore stuff from Japan, from the wing promotion. Um, The Headhunters did crazy matches. Um, Sheets of glass, barbed wire, um, coffin death matches. Uh, I believe they did stuff with scorpions and piranhas. I remember getting tapes, uh, wing tapes all the time. Um, And they would always be in these crazy matches. And if you've never seen the Headhunters, think if Abdullah the Butcher had twin sons that looked exactly like him. And those sons could do moonsaults off the top rope. These guys were huge. um, And yes, they were doing moonsaults off the top rope and doing barbed wire and uh, glass matches. And they were brothers. But anyway, it was supposed to be a baseball bat—excuse uh, me—a barbed wire baseball bat match between the Headhunters and Miguelito Perez and Crash Terminator. Um, I've heard different stories. Either the Pennsylvania Commission didn't allow the barbed wire, or someone forgot to bring the barbed wire. But either way, this just wound up being a baseball bat match where it was a baseball bat, um, and you could use it. Still a, a, a good hardcore match. I think they definitely tore it up a little bit more due to the lack of the barbed wire. Um, I forget who, but somebody, um, if you've ever watched ECW from the ECW Arena, um, the entrance way. now think if the wrestlers are walking back to the locker room, um, or even if they're coming from the locker room, but you're looking at the locker room. If you look off to the right, there was, like, that wall there. It was um, It was a wall to the right. You know, you would have, like, the entranceway, the barricade. Then you would have fans, and behind the fans was the wall. Um, but I believe it was one of the headhunters got thrown through the wall. Huge hole in the wall. Um, I, I may be wrong, but somebody got thrown through the wall, whether it was the headhunters or the headhunters threw somebody through the wall. Um but uh, the, it was a wild brawl all over the building, um, and the end of the match, a headhunter hit a moonsaw on Crash the Terminator for the win, and Crash the Terminator actually was Hugh Morris. He wound up being Hugh Morris. Um, so all in all, this was a decent show. I mean, it's not a legendary classic ECW event, um, I guess it was, you know, depending on how you look at it, it was a historic show considering it was Paulie's first match that, excuse me, first show that he booked. It was the debut of the Public Enemy, who of course went on to become the top team in ECW. Um, but it wasn't a, you know, full of five-star matches or anything like that. Uh, I think the Headhunters match was memorable because of the wall spot. The uh, Funk and Hanson against Sullivan and Abdullah was a memorable match, um, just because of you know the amount of legends in the match. Um, but other than that, it was a you know an average indie show. Um, the Battle Royal was blah; it was full of managers and commentators. I really didn't need to see Sal Bolumbo and Sir Richard Michaels. Uh, Shane and Sandman definitely wasn't. You know, the way Shane and Sandman would be a year and a half, two years later. I mean, Sandman was never a great worker, but the character definitely helped in his matches. Um, So, yeah, I mean, if you see it on DVD or if it's on YouTube, check some of the matches out. But it's not a, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd probably give it a 5. It was cool to be there. Cool memory. Um, So next time we're going to... Or in the, in the next upcoming episodes, we're going to talk about what would be the next ECW Arena show I attended, which was the following month, October of 1993. And it was actually two shows that weekend, October 1st and October 2nd, NWA Bloodfest. That's what they call the weekend. So that uh, we'll do that on an upcoming episode of the WrestleRama podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, feel free to leave them on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com backslash Russell Rama, Or you can shoot us an email, russellrama@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And until next time, take care and see ya.